Good morning. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew. Matthew 6. We're going to focus our whole morning on verse 12. But we'll, as we've done for the past few weeks, going through the Lord's Prayer, read through the, we'll read through 9 through 13. My name's Sam. I'm an elder here, if you're new. Matthew 6, focusing in verse 12, but we'll read 9 through 13. Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray again. Father, we do desire that your name be made holy and that your kingdom come and your will be done. And I believe we know that your word says your kingdom comes and your will is done in the extension of forgiveness to us. And it would be a tragedy if we did not see your kindness, Father. Your kindness in offering us forgiveness, free of charge, free to us at the cost of your son. Help us see that. And if there is anyone that has not, not seen that before, may it be crystal clear for the first time this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There are many things about God um, that the world, we by nature, misunderstand. I would say everything about God is misunderstood in some way by human, humanity. It's just what we do in our sin. And, and, and of the many things that we misunderstand, mistake, misapply, disbelieve, forgiveness, I believe, is something that has been very misunderstood, misapplied, mistaken for a long time. We miss the concept of what it means to be forgiven. There are more people over the past 2,000 years who in the name of Jesus have scorned God's forgiveness, missing it. And they've completely misunderstood what it means to be forgiven by God. We see it expressed in the way that we feel we can earn something from God. We don't think that forgiveness is freely given, so we come to God offering something, and in exchange, we get forgiveness from God. That's how we mistake it. We think it's an exchange that we earn. 
And there are many countless people who, in mockery of Christ, have rejected God's forgiveness, calling it foolishness, and thinking that, I don't need this. I don't need forgiveness. They speak in a way, um, showing that there's, like in all of us, apart from Christ, there is uh, an unbelief inside me that, be- that, that tells me, I don't need to be forgiven. Like all, all things of God's ways, without his grace, we misunderstand it, misapply it, disbelieve it. And so I am wondering, is that something any of us can relate to? Have we mistaken what it means to be forgiven by God? Are we among those who've misunderstood? And if the answer is yes, in any way, shape, or form, my prayer as a Christian, if you're a Christian now, um, or if you're a Christian for the first time this morning, I pray that all of us will see Jesus' call from this word, from the word, and leave joyful, confident, hoping in, in this God who offers this forgiveness for all that you have ever done. So as we go through this passage, I want you to notice a few things. What forgiveness is, what forgiveness is not, but more importantly, let's see the transforming work that God's forgiveness offers every one of us. Let's define forgiveness first. There's a couple elements that, that give us some context to this passage. Because um, we're in the Sermon on the Mount and we're reading Matthew 6, 12, which is a part of the Lord's Prayer. And so just, just note that this prayer Jesus offers in 6, 9 through 13, which we read, this is an example of how Christians should pray. This is how Christians should pray. This shapes how we understand the entire prayer, especially verse 12. This is a prayer that Christians pray, people who are trusting in Christ. And secondly, this addresses two aspects of forgiveness. So the first is asking for forgiveness. Some would call it repentance. God, forgive me my debts, repentance. And, and the other aspect is this um, extending and offering of forgiveness to another. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So this is in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a prayer that Christians pray. And, and this, ha- this passage offers, this verse offers different aspects. Repentance, asking God for forgiveness, and extending forgiveness to others. So it's multifaceted and it depends on, uh, on, the, on the giver, and it, and it depends on your perspective, where you're, where you're looking at it. Are you receiving it or are you offering it? That changes how we define the term forgiveness. And I wanna note also that God's forgiveness, as we're gonna see, is different than the forgiveness we offer. However, our forgiveness has a source and it is sourced in the forgiveness that we have from God. We'll hopefully see that a little bit later. The last thing, and this is 
I'd really encourage you to, to go to home group. But this, this prayer doesn't discount anything Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, this should not be a surprise to you if you've read Matthew 5 all the way to verse 6. Uh, or I cha- all the way into chapter 6. And we're going to talk about that at home groups. Um, that's one of the questions we'll address. So I'd encourage you to, to look at that later, or to attend those and, and, and look at that later. So, All right, so a little context to set that up. Let's look at what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, what is this forgiveness that Jesus is talking about here? The, the word that Jesus refers to, the forgive us God that, that, in that prayer, it's a legal term, it's a transaction. Um, and I think Jesus reinforces it by the definition, uh, or the definition of the, the legal transaction by describing the, the, what needs to be forgiven as debts. It's a very uncommon word to describe um, what the Bible typically describes as sin. It's a legal transaction. The, Jesus frequently in Matthew is going to describe debts in terms of like money. And that's, a, that's kind of a helpful, from a human perspective, it's a, it's a helpful way. You owe a lot of money and it gets, it gets covered. It gets paid by, the, by, by someone. Okay, so it's, it's legal, it's release from that legal obligation that you owe to someone else. A couple things more as we just define this, and, and this just is from, from seeing it in God's word and just logically, we know that first forgiveness implies some sort of need on your behalf. You not only owe some, something to someone else, but biblically, there's an understanding that you can't make the payment on your own. Some of you may have gotten student loan debt canceled recently, and many of you probably had the ability in some way to say, well, I was gonna pay that off. This type of forgiveness is not that. No ability. You have an extreme need, which we'll see in a moment. Second, forgiveness involves having a debt owed to another. Logical, right? I don't only have a debt, but I gotta pay it to someone else. You owe something to someone else, it has to be paid. It's not simply a display of groveling, right? And I think this is where we can really misunderstand when we think about the asking the, you know, going to someone and saying, I'm sorry, um, often we're not thinking about them extending forgiveness to us. We're thinking about how can I display how sorry I am and earn their pity. Forgiveness involves a debt that I owe to another and that other person has to forgive me. I can't do it on my own. Someone else has got to help me out. Third thing, and it kind of combines the first two principles, is that forgiveness, it can't be earned, which, as I've said there, and that's a great misunderstanding. As, as In Christianity, this has been misunderstood. If you believe that forgiveness is something you can earn or control by your merits, you're misunderstanding what forgiveness is. But why do we believe that? We, so, Practically, this is how it looks. So I read verse 12 and I respond, 
okay, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So I need to do this and, and I, you know, there's this, I, I also will forgive. So, okay, I just need to be forgiving of others and then God will forgive me. I need to pro- contribute something and then God will forgive me. That's not forgiveness. I'm not actually expecting God to forgive me in that moment if I think that I'm providing something to him that will pay for my debt that I owe to him. We are needy of forgiveness. It's, it's, it cannot be earned. You owe it to someone else. They need to be kind to you. You have a great need. You have a need that only that creditor can give, that creditor can forgive. All right, so if that's hopefully a a definition for us, what then, or where then, is this kind of forgiveness found? The kind of forgiveness that you you can't earn for a debt that is greater than you can imagine to one who is more holy than you can fathom where is that found? The scripture is very clear that this kind of forgiveness the, in this prayer, it's, it's found when God forgives you. It's found in the forgiveness that God offers. In other words, true forgiveness, the biblical forgiveness to be truly forgiven, it's something that is first addressed between man and God. But this is something, again, that plagues uh, humanity. We, 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 we don't believe that we are needy of forgiveness from a God who is outside of us. Why does it need to be uh, found in God? It need, our, our, our need for forgiveness, to be forgiven by God, is because any Deed, needy of forgiveness, any sin, is rooted in a universal problem of sin dwelling in us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and are in need of God's forgiveness first. Sin, even the sin that that we commit against people, the Bible says, that's not ultimately sin that you've committed against someone else. You've actually ultimately sinned against God. David, in 2 Samuel 11, he committed atrocities. And when he came to God after being convicted of his sin, asking for repentance, he said in Psalm 51, against you and you alone have I sinned, God. He, he did two terrible things to two people. Yet at the heart, David knew that the problem, the root problem below the wrong that he did to someone else was a problem between him and God. He owed a debt. It had to be forgiven. And where did he go to forget for forgiveness? He, he addressed it with his maker. God was the one he went to because God is the only one who could extend this kind of forgiveness. Without God's forgiveness of your sin, of my sin, um, your, your forgiveness of others is uh, 
purely psychological and based on your own standards. But God's forgiveness, remarkably free. David could not bring anything to God that, to, to earn God's favor. He needed the hand of God pardoning, paying for, wiping it out. Transactional covering, and he went to God for that. So if that's what true forgiveness is, what does God's forgiveness do? And that's where we're really gonna spend the rest of our time. What does it do? And I believe Jesus is telling us that God's forgiveness, it transforms you. God's forgiveness does things. Canceling your debt and transforming you to live in repentance. That's the first thing we're gonna look at. God's forgiveness transforms you to live a life of repentance. We still repent. That's why Jesus is saying to Christians, consider how he describes it. You know, to, again, this is to Christians. Forgive us our debts, that's what we pray to God, as we have also forgiven our debtors. So his transformation work in us is that we actually live in such a way that we repent before God. We go to God continually asking for forgiveness. So this is a prayer, right? This, it describes to us that part of the Christian life is first asking for forgiveness from God. And second, it's this offering of forgiveness to others. We still ask for forgiveness. And that, that may be a little confusing to us. So let, let's, let's look at that. Why do I still need to ask for forgiveness if I've been forgiven? If I'm saved, why do I, why do I still ask for forgiveness? Forgiveness. If I'm transformed, how am I transformed to ask for forgiveness from God? In other words, that doesn't really seem like transformation. It seems like I'm still where I was when I started. One massive way that we see that the Christian, Christians are transformed is that, is that we view forgiveness from a different standing, from a new standing, from a new identity than we ever did before when you're in Christ. Praying this prayer, forgive us our debts. So think about climbing a 14er in Colorado. And as you begin the journey, it had a starting point. You begin the journey and about halfway up, you, you turn around and you can see the trail that you've come down from, right? You, you, you know that there were a lot of steps. But you don't turn around then and take each next step as if you're back at the bottom, you know those steps were taken already. They were completed, they're done. You don't need to retake them again. And similarly, if you're in Christ, in Christ, trusting in Christ, you're also standing in a place that you have never been before. You are one step closer to glory. You can look behind now and you can see all where God has brought you. You can see where he's brought you. Behind you is a testimony. We call that a testimony. Um, and it might have started with a moment, you know, a moment in time that you can remember. For some of you, it, it might not. Maybe you can't remember a specific moment in time. But, but when you know in the past, 
At one point, God extended his hand of forgiveness to you. You realized you were a sinner. You, you went to the cross. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But then you, you, you realize that, that Jesus, you realize maybe for the first time, Jesus, he, you saw him taking on that sin. You were dead. He, you, then you see Jesus in this, this cross. He took on your sins. He bore your sins in his body on the tree. You can look back and you can see that. You can look all the way back there and now all the way to where your feet are planted today and you can still say, Jesus paid my sin debt. I'm not condemned anymore. I am forgiven. Now, I'm forgiven now. It's done. I, I, I no longer am outside of God's forgiveness. I am living inside his kingdom. It's a kingdom identity as a child, a forgiven child of God. But now, as a Christian, I look on the summit, or I'm, I'm here, you know, on, on this mountain, on this journey, this, this path that God started, and as I take each step, whenever I sin, it's proper, it's right, as a Christian, as a child, to return to my father asking for forgiveness. I don't step forward believing uh, that I'm now sinless. Instead, I believe that my sinlessness is found in Jesus's sacrifice. That's what I, I believe, his atoning sacrifice for me. So when I sin, I still repent. I still do what Jesus is saying to do in this prayer. I still go to him saying, Father, forgive my sin. However, I now know, and I know all that has happened before, I know that um, I'm not repenting from ground zero again anymore. That's in the past. I'm repenting knowing what Christ has done before and, and I'm re relying on his forgiveness, looking forward to future glory. So I can say, Father, forgive me my debts, not because what I have done, but because of what Jesus did for me. I still do that. The difference between the first time, those years ago, or maybe for the first time today for you, is that today you're walking in a new, transformed identity, still saved now and forever, and I still repent whenever I sin because I am saved now and forever. Now, I want to address some fear for, to, to, to anyone that may be fearful and asking, does my repentance, if you're asking this question, does my repentance after being saved, does that cancel what happened before? Does the forgiveness of God that, that he did that one time, does it mean that that first time wasn't sufficient for all my future sin? You may be asking that. Living in fear, Consider Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the answer from the Bible is, is no. In fact, returning to God for forgiveness is not 
is not an evidence that you were not saved before. It's likely the very evidence that you're walking in newness of life, in a new identity, here and now, accessing the Father for blood-bought forgiveness. It's evidence. Think about it this way. First John 1. I'm reading through these quick. 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I pray that puts fear to bed and hope in Christ. So God's working of salvation for you, that one time, that one time, you're, you're, you're not where you once were, you can look back and see that one time or whatever that looks like. It's biblically described both as a moment, it's a moment of transformation and it's, and it's a process drawing to completion. And I think that's why Jesus says, we still say, forgive us our debts. So Ephesians 1 is really helpful to address this. Uh, in one seven, it says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. But I'm gonna read 13 and 14. In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I believed, I was sealed, moment in time, transformed, I'm made new. And process, drawing to completion until I acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Another way, Paul addresses it in Philippians 3. 312. Not that I have already obtained this. He's talking about the resurrection of the dead, the glory, future glory. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Moment in time, process, drawing to completion. And so Jesus says, we pray to God, forgive us our debts on the basis of what has already been done. In Christ, you have been made his own now and forever, now and forever, it's done. Jesus is right now standing before God, interceding on your behalf. Think about that. but you know you're not perfected yet. I still sin, I hate my sin. Sometimes I act like sin is better than this kingdom God has offered. But because of the wonderful, wonderful forgiveness I have been given, I now walk through this world to glory always asking for forgiveness, always reminded of his grace. I stand in that. Here's another question, a question from fear. Someone may ask, if I stop asking for forgiveness, will God stop forgiving me? It's kind of connected. 
slightly different. I think God's word says two things to that. The first thing is, is that you must remember that if you turn from Christ in the past, God identified you as secure eternally. Your past, your sins, your past, your present, future, cast into the sea. Jeremiah 31 says that uh, he'll, he'll forgive our iniquity and he'll remember our sins no more. That's what it's like living in the, this new covenant that Jesus brought in. My sins are forgotten. They've been forgiven, thrown into the sea. So that's the first thing to remember. It's described, the forgiveness that we've been given by God is, is described as a, as a once for all. However, scripture also offers us a caution because I think in that question, there's a, a thought of, well, maybe I, maybe I will wanna not ask for forgiveness one day. If I stop asking for forgiveness, will God stop forgiving me? The second is a caution. God's word does not describe a path that a Christian can follow forever in unrepentance. It's not what Christians do. Rather, the Bible speaks of how silly it is to live in sin while being a Christian. That's just silly. In other words, it's ludicrous to think that of someone with a transformed identity abandoning your access to God's forgiveness through repentance. Why would you do that? Why would you not go back to God? I think if Paul were asked this question, he would have answered similarly uh, to, to as he did in Romans 6, um, to those Christians who, might, who, who, who thought they could keep on living in sin in order to get more of God's grace. I think he would say, why, if you, if you know that you still sin, why would anyone who receives God's forgiveness, again, asking God for forgiveness, who's done that once, why would you want to consider living a life that is absent of continual repentance? Why would you do that? So that's a caution to not even consider that I would not return in repentance to God when I sin. The answer, if you're fearful, is fearful that, again, I might sin in some way after receiving that eternal forgiveness. I may stop repenting and lose that salvation. It really is simply to return, remember, hope, trust in the once for all forgiveness that you were shown in Christ. And then you walk forward, reminded of your transformed identity in Christ. Transformed identity in Christ. In Christ. I am saved eternally. Unrepentant life, that is not for me. I have a new identity. Think about it this way. I like sports. When you watch the ESPN, the ESPN, you see analysts on there. Watch the NFL. You don't see, you see, you see analysts, they are described as former NFL superstars former NBA superstar, former center for the whatever team. They're former because they quit or they retired. They, 
They're not, it would be really awkward and inappropriate for us to say current football player. They'd say, I haven't put on shoulder pads in a while. In the same way, Jesus would say to anyone calling themselves a former Christian, I asked for repentance once, not going there again. I think he would say, you didn't get it. I never knew you. There's no such thing as a former Christian. There are Christians actively living in a new identity. You've joined a new kingdom. You've gained new citizenship in Christ. There's no former about it. There can't be. New identity in Christ. You're never called a former Christian. What does this look like daily? If I understand that I eternally identify with Christ and that, that actually shapes how I understand forgiveness in, in, the, in relation to the Christian life, what does that look like? It means you daily look to Jesus, you daily remember, you daily ask for aid, you daily repent because you daily sin, asking for forgiveness. And he always forgives you have tapped in to a tidal wave of never-ending forgiveness. That's a miracle. Just the confidence of a prayer to be able to go to the God of the universe and say, forgive, and know that he forgives me. It's forgotten. We can pray with confidence, forgive us our debts, and we know we're forgiven if you're in Christ. This is a proof, this is a verification of your identity with Christ. And it's just what Christians do. We still ask for forgiveness. There's only one major consequence to being forgiven by God. It's that you have a new identity now and you walk forward in that identity into glory. But it doesn't stop there and that's where we see the second part. God's forgiveness doesn't just transform me, it transforms how I forgive, how I even view forgiveness toward others. It informs, transforms, empowers my forgiveness of others. Ask yourself, outside of Christ, what is going to compel you to forgive someone for the wrong they have done? And many of you have wronged people, and many of you have been wronged, and probably in ways that I cannot fathom. What would compel you outside of Christ to forgive? Your ability to earn forgiveness is not gonna be what empowers you to forgive other people. Earn forgiveness, it doesn't exist. If that were the case, no one would really truly be forgiven, right? There would always be an exchange, life for life, payment, I'm gonna wait for them to make it up to me and then I'll forgive. They're gonna show me something and then I'll forgive. That's not forgiveness. So if it's in your, if it's in, if you're basing your, 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 your ability to forgive on, on, um, on that, on, on, the, on the, the, the work that you can do to earn it, no one's truly forgiven. And it's not gonna be in your strength to overcome 
psychological barriers that are preventing you because this is how the world views forgiveness. You have this hate, you know there's this wrong and you just have to overcome it and you're going to feel relief of some sort. Hate, anger towards the people that have wronged you. Uh, but if you run to the power of that, that psyche, your ability, your mental ability, you're, you're, you're not gonna truly forgive and it's gonna be so limited based on your experience based on the forgiveness others have shown you, it's not gonna be on a never-ending tidal wave of forgiveness from God. It'll be severely limited. You may forgive occasionally, but your standard is gonna reach a limit. The limit will be the wrongs that they have done. You, you have a standard that you'll set up based on your experience, and once that limit is reached, you're gonna cut off forgiveness toward other people. And there are some of you in this room right now that are withholding forgiveness likely because of this. They have, that offender has, re, has, has, has crossed a threshold and, and you feel that they are unforgivable. The only reality that will transform your forgiveness of other people is the reality that God has forgiven you He who is forgiven loves little, not he who has been forgiven much. You owe a great debt to God. And you maybe have tried years to pay that thing off. And maybe you're still trying. Maybe you're still trying to pay off that debt. God will not take your payment. Life for life. That's the cost of your sin. And Jesus paid life for life in his body on the tree. And first Peter says, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And, and, and this living that I think Peter's talking about includes a life full of showing forgiveness to others. So you have to ask yourself, and I'm asking you, have you received this forgiveness? Life for life, all you've ever done, forgiven by God. And are you going daily to that well of never-ending forgiveness? It's a well that Jesus provides, God grants, it's offered to you, free of charge, you can't pay for it, you can't earn it, it's offered. And then another question, is the forgiveness God has given you, is it shaping and transforming your forgiveness of others? Forgiveness, the second half of this verse, as we forgive those, or as we have also have forgiven those who are our debtors, that is, I think, probably the greatest Christian testimony to the, to the work of Christ, your forgiveness of others. When you forgive another, his or her sin against you, you know that that, that forgiveness that you're offering, you can't give them what they truly need. They need forgiveness offered by the one who can give forgiveness that they cannot earn. 
against you and you alone have I sinned, God? You know, in Christ, whatever you're offering them, they need something much deeper, much sweeter, much more real and tangible, real forgiveness. And it has to come from God. So your forgiveness then becomes a window to the gospel. It, 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 so, so you're saying to them, I, I'm not gonna withhold myself from showing you the fruit of the spirit. I'm not gonna f- remove myself from showing love, joy, peace, kindness. I'm not gonna withhold the fruit of the spirit from being shown to you. I'm not gonna f- withhold kindness from you. But I also know that my forgiving you cannot address the weight of your sin. You need God's forgiveness. And then the offer comes. Won't you taste God's forgiveness? I'm gonna show you the love of Christ pouring out of me. Won't you come and and turn to Christ and find real forgiveness for your sin? Here's a good formula. Yes, your sin is egregious. You sinned against me. You go to someone, they come to you or in repentance. Ultimately though, it is against God. Your sin is against God. I am a sinner too. God has shown me mercy. I will show you kindness in return. That's human forgiveness. I'm gonna show you kindness. I'm gonna show you the fruit of the spirit. Won't you run to him? Won't you taste what I can't give you? Our life in Christ, a life of forgiveness, can be a window. It can see right through you to the cross by showing love and kindness and the forgiveness, just a little taste. They need more. They need God's forgiveness. You're giving them a taste of the forgiveness that Christ is offering them. As we close, do you think you need to earn from God that which only he can give you freely? If that's that's you, don't delay. Come, repent, taste God's forgiveness, believe, and walk. New identity. Nothing former about it. Jesus paid your sin, simply fall at his feet, Trust in him. Second thing, do you think that you are in not, uh, not in need of forgiveness? Is that something that you're believing? All I can say is if, if, you, if you think that, you're avoiding it, um, you're ignoring your need, you really are needy, I promise. God's word says you're totally needy. Um, I would ask you to search your heart. It's like stepping on a scale. It's not gonna be pretty but you need it. Let God's word expose your heart because avoiding it is not gonna gain you anything but tragedy in return. Jesus is here. Turn to him. He will forgive you. It's a promise. You can be more certain of God's forgiveness. I promise you. You can be more certain of God's forgiveness than any person's fickle forgiveness. He is faithful. He is just. Trust. Let's walk out today. 
trust in the forgiveness he offers. If you would like to talk about the forgiveness that God can offer you after the service, um, we'll, we'll hang around out front. We'd love to talk to you about this kind of love more. Let's pray. God, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, passing over our sin. You do not retain your anger forever because you delight in showing steadfast love. And we know that the greatest love was shown on a cross. You tread our sin underfoot. You throw it into the depths of the sea. In you, in Christ, we can be forgiven. May we walk today forward in newness of life, knowing that Jesus paid it all, trusting and, and taking on a new identity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.